You are listening to episode 165 of This is Type 1. Today we're chatting with Melissa Slemp about abundant health and type 1 diabetes. Not only has Melissa lived with type 1 for 40 years, she's married to a type 1 too. A certified health coach and personal trainer, Melissa helps midlife women with diabetes better control blood sugar and drop the weight. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hello, it's so great to be here. This is exciting. Thanks, Colleen. Yeah, thank you for, for applying to be on the show. What is your diagnosis story? Oh, it goes a long way back. And I guess it's good I can still remember it, right? That's a good sign <laughs> with 40 years. It was in 1982. I was 14, um, almost 15. It was April. It was actually Easter weekend that I was diagnosed. And as we all know, the symptoms happen a lot sooner than that Easter weekend. And it was... I had the typical symptoms, a lot of drinking. I can just remember having a glass of water next to my bed at night and just the constant thirst, the constant runs to the bathroom, you know, the same stuff, just feeling ill, losing weight. And yeah, I was actually home on a Saturday with my older brother and my parents were out at the time. Um, they were out doing errands or, and I was, we were upstairs and I apparently, and again, I don't know the details of this because I think in 1982, they didn't know as much either, but it must have been DKA because I was hallucinating and hyperventilating. And those were the symptoms. And then at that point, my parents got home and the nearest hospital was like an hour away. They didn't even call rescue. That's kind of another whole story, but they didn't react. I I think they did the best they could with what they was kind of put in front of them. So yeah, and then I, I spent a week at the hospital. So this was in New Hampshire. This is where I lived as a middle school years. And yeah, you know, I was taught how to stick the orange with the syringe <laughs> and sent home with the supplies. You know, back then it was vials of insulin and um, hyperdermic needles and no way to test the blood sugar. I finally got what was called the, you know, the, I don't even know what they call them. It's pretty much the pea strips. You know, I think it's what um, a lot of people tend to know more of with like um, keto testing, you know, that right. sort of a tool. And, you know, you, you, you've got that color gauge. But again, number one, I, I wasn't educated. So, and my parents really were clueless. So we just knew that I had to take insulin twice a day, three times a day, whatever that looked like. And I could just keep doing what I was doing, which is such a disconnect. So yeah. And I didn't know anybody else with diabetes. So that was another disconnect. You know, you feel so many different layers of emotions and feelings that went along with number one, you're a girl in puberty, (laughs) right? Going through all those changes you're suddenly having to feel very isolated and confused about what you've got to deal with now. And um, yeah, that's kind of my story back in the day. Yeah. So I was diagnosed in 1995 and I don't remember ever not having a glucometer. So do you even Mm. know like off the top of your head when those first came out? That is a great question. I want to say, let's see, 82, maybe early 90s. I, I don't know the date. But I know doctors kind of had them, but they were kind of a jiggy looking machine, you know, when you went to the doctor's machine, you know, visits. So it wasn't even that, you know, the the technology wasn't there back then. So like, yeah. I still remember the the little, the the bear meter that actually had like a bear 
like case that you could put on it and it was the individual strips in those little foil packets you had to peel open and it took 30 seconds to count down yes that brings back memories yes yes all the different i mean we've come a long way haven't we (laughs) oh yeah yes when my mom was moving out of the house i grew up in we we found like an unopened foil packet strip (laughs) just like behind some binders somewhere like Mm -hmm. how did that happen (laughs) <laughs> really those strips just get um blown away <laughs> blown around right <laughs> what would you say has been your journey has been like with type 1 diabetes for the last 40 years yeah you know i and i, I think i mentioned this when I, upon my diagnosis was in the teen in my teenagers even in my 20s you know i went to college i i got married when i was 24 25 i always hit it it was something that i didn't understand so I didn't talk about it. I didn't share it with even coworkers. It took a while for me to just get out of my, and I don't know if it was a discomfort zone or if it was just kind of a shame, embarrassment. Nobody's going to understand. I'll keep it to myself, which is not a good idea. I think people around us need to know, um, especially people that we spend a lot of time with. It's very important for a lot of reasons. And it gives us an opportunity to share with them and to teach and, and to grow closer. So, and I think that did create a barrier with just how I was treating my diabetes. It was, I've always been very black and white with everything. And I was very much like that with my disease. I just did it. I was very routine. You know, there was no explanation. I just did what I had to do. So it kind of took the emotion out of it. It was kind of, kind of robotic there for some, for some of the years. But like, even when things are robotic, like diabetes is insanity. We do the same thing over and over again and have to expect different results. So what, do you remember how you dealt with that? Like doing the exact same thing two days in a row and everything was weird? Yes. Yes. Well, fast forward when I was, I was just married. So just turned 25. So 10 years with type one and I was still working part time, still finishing up my college and I was on my way to work and I was seeing, I was seeing floaters in my eyes. I was literally walking um, to my car to the office that I worked at. And I got into my office and I had no idea. I had, hadn't even been to an eye doctor appointment. This is again how the poor care I was really, I wasn't seeing the doctor. I wasn't getting the checkups. I had no idea what my A1C was for 10 years, completely disconnected. It was just what I had. So my parents didn't didn't emphasize it or show the importance of it. So I was like, I guess this is just what it is. This is what I do. Not understanding the consequences. So diabetic retinopathy was the diagnosis. I still, to this day, I don't know what my average A1C was at that time. I'm sure I got more in tune with going to the doctor and and I obviously got that glucometer out right away because I could, I was told, get it together or you're going to go blind. So that was a scare. That was, and so going from, oh, this is just what it is. It's diabetes. I take a shot. I eat what I want. It is what it is to extreme strict control. So I went from not knowing to really knowing too much. And the fear really drove me to extreme tight control, which led to a lot of low blood sugar episodes. Okay. Going back for a moment, you were saying that you just didn't really tell anybody. Mm -hmm. And 
How did you end up marrying someone else with type one if you didn't tell anybody? <laughs> well, well, that was my first, my, my first husband was when I was 25. So fast forward, my current husband. Yeah, we, we got married almost 10 years ago. So we were in our forties when we married. So it's quite a story. It really is. <laughs> well, I'd he, love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to toss it out there because he, because he, he shares it and it, it really is pretty um, ironic, but, one of my low episodes in the middle of the night when I was married, this is with my first husband. He, so my current husband, so husband number two with diabetes works fire rescue. So guess who came to the house to help save me basically? Um, fire my, rescue boy. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because, and then, and we knew no other diabetics. So I get, of course, in all of my just trying to recover, as you can probably relate, you know, you're not really taking in any of this information at two in the morning with low blood sugar. But I found out later, you know, my husband at the time had mentioned, Hey, guess what? He's got diabetes too. But there was such an instant bond with all, you know, with the three of us, because it was like, Oh my gosh, there's somebody else in this town. Of course, there, there was many. But that was the only, that's the first one I met. So it was, yeah, it was just something else. And of course, you know, things didn't work out with that marriage, had nothing to do with husband number two, but fast forward. And it's kind of a small town here. So we actually ran into each other at church about three or four years after I had divorced and we started dating. And of course, we both knew we each had diabetes and here we are. Yeah, he's about, let's see, I'm 40 years. He's about 35 years with, with type 1. Yeah. So what's it like having a partner who has type 1? You know, there's a lot of good because just the understanding, you know, it's it's the not having to explain what we're doing. And, you know, I think with any good, healthy relationship, you really shouldn't have to. They should be on board enough and be interested enough to really learn all, all facets of us as women and as husbands, you know, as partners. But it's, it's such a unique connection. We're actually on the exact insulin and Dexcom therapy. I mean, we use, <laughs> makes it easy, right? So, you know, we have, you know, we get the same prescriptions filled. So we're really on the same sort of therapy and, you know, we eat the same. We love exercise, working out, staying active is a huge part of managing our blood sugar. So the lifestyle is very um, conducive. Yeah. It definitely marry, it marries well. <laughs> That's really good. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Just that you're on the same page so well. That's, that's great. Yeah. So now that you're further in, how do you manage your day-to-day -day blood sugar lifestyle and all of the curveballs that come with it now that you've kind of figured out that it's not good to go to either extreme? Yes. Great question. Yeah. I've, and you know, that's taking me, you know, I think the biggest tool that's helped me and is, has been the CGM. I do use the Dexcom if that's okay to mention the name on air. I love it. And you know, just having that information, obviously the alerts will kind of keep us in, in closer tune with where we are. But I, I think, you know, I've done so well now for, let's see, that was 25. That was 30 years ago that I was diagnosed with the retinopathy with really good eye care since then. And obviously my glucose has been really good. And I, I think over time I realized, okay, I'm doing enough. This is enough. The eyes are healthy. Everything's stable. It's okay if you have a little bit of a high once in a while. It's going to be okay. It's not going to rock the world. 
So yeah, you know, and as you know, too, because stress of any of in all of this can just mess with our blood sugars. So we can't add that stress on to what we're just trying to do every day anyway. So I think that's just been the best thing I can that I can explain it is just giving myself some grace and some, you know, just being patient with whatever, you know, whatever a day is going to look like and feel like blood sugar wise and know, know that we can correct it. You know, that, you know, that I have the tools to do that. How would you describe an abundant life for someone with type one diabetes? Oh, and you know, that's, that's something that um, I think it's for everybody, not just with diabetes, but with diabetes, I think it's just, you know, like for me, I've turned it into a positive because through all the things that I went through and experienced and felt in those early years, kind of molded me into who I am now and just appreciating really the power we do have to control our day to day, you know, with our food and our lifestyle and the best we can, you know, the best we can. So I think it's just being, being able to appreciate the tools we have to treat our diabetes and to lean into support, to share with people, to help teach and mentor people. That's really been a great way for me to be, you know, to feel more abundant with it. I love that. So when you applied to be on the show, you said you have a magic formula to maintain your 5.7% A1C. Can you share that magic formula with the audience? I know. I do. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned I'm routine because I am, you know, I pretty much have the same sort of habits. There's definitely things that change throughout the day, as we all know, with appointments and vacations and schedules and all of that. But the five things that I do and I try to do really consistently, it starts with, and this may sound funny because I get this from some of the clients I work with. When we start working together, I mention these things that really everybody should be doing. We all know this. We all walk around knowing that these are the things that we need to feel, you know, do to feel good every day. So good sleep, staying hydrated, good, healthy, clean food, balanced meals, reducing our stress, moving our body. And, you know, just having a lot of love and care. And, you know, and, and for me, it's prayer. It's, it's time at church. It's having that love and spirit around me that really does help support me. So those are my magic things. And as long as those pillars are something that I'm, you know, I'm focusing on and making a priority every day, then it's amazing how the blood sugar and your overall health can definitely respond better. Diabetic or not, those. And again, it's not rocket science, <laughs> but those are things that I definitely, I definitely focus on and they are top priority. I love that you started with sleep because <laughs> so many people are like, I can run on four hours. I can run on five hours. I recently read Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker, and I was just blown away by all of the actual science behind the real importance of sleep. Oh, and yeah. Just- like if if you are wired to be a morning person or, or a night person, that's not changing. And right. so if you have kids who are, or even like adult kids, adult children who are sleeping like way into the morning or something like that, they're probably a night owl and you're not going to change that. Yeah. That's, it's, that's a huge topic. And, you know, cause I work with type twos as well. 
And that's a big indicator of their sleep because it does reduce our insulin sensitivity. But the same thing can happen with type ones. You know, again, we're all the same machine. You know, our body is still kind of working together, even though we have to manually give the insulin, we're still doing it and our body's responding to what we um, provide it. But yeah, sleep and think about sleep, how it impacts your energy, your energy impacts what you eat. And then when you're feeling dehydrated, it's all one snowball, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One affects the other. Yeah. I'm as as we're recording this, I'm like six days post surgery. And I've been uh-huh. getting some of the best and most sleep that I've been getting for the past several months. And my blood sugars are great. Oh, and so it's just not yeah. only for regular uh, or for special occasions, you want to get enough sleep, you want to get enough sleep just day to day. Yes. And I would challenge everybody who's listening to test this, like do an experiment Mm-hmm. Track your um your sleep and also track your blood sugars. And if you mm-hmm. sleep more, see if your blood sugars improve with right. nothing else changed. That's like the whole thing with experimentation is finding out how different pieces affect your blood sugars yeah. and then adjusting. So if you yeah. find that sleeping more improves your blood sugars, if you find that getting more um, water, like staying hydrated improves your blood sugars, keep doing that. That's how mm-hmm. we stay healthy and get healthier. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you mentioned something too about how, you know, we're also very individual. So again, seven to eight is my magic sleep hours. You know, that's what I like. And it's usually the same time. I'm, we're usually in bed by 10. We're up about six, six thirty, even on the weekends, you know, just staying consistent, you know, because our, our blood sugar wants to stay consistent. All of those working, you know, those things that are in motion, the more consistent, the better. And that doesn't have to be boring either. You know, people say, Oh, well, that's dull. That's boring. I'm like, I don't know. I think I would rather be boring than not feel well. <laughs> right. <laughs> if that's, if that's what boring is, right? I mean, that's what I, I'm, I'm my doctor's boring diabetic because routine blood sugars are always great. A1C Same, is yeah. always great. Mm-hmm. I'm, my goal in life is to be the most boring type one diabetic I can. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Not much up here, just doing the same thing every day. Another yes. like side mm-hmm. note on the importance of sleep is I just in in the uh, Matthew Walker's book, I think he said that shift work in certain countries is considered a carcinogen. Oh. Oh, Not directly related that. to type 1 diabetes, but just right. people who are on shift work or people who are getting broken sleep or a lot of like bad quality sleep. That's sure. something to keep in mind for the rest of your health. It just doesn't just affect your type 1 diabetes. No, no, it sure doesn't. That is, yeah, that's a good, good piece of information. All right. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience that we have not talked about yet? Well, we talked a little bit about food. That's, you know, that's probably the one thing that I, it's not the only thing I focus on when I work with people. And it always starts with myself too. But I've learned over the years, all the different amazing vegetables. Growing up, we just ate, we ate the canned peas and green beans. So I never even appreciated what was, what was there. Just started eating avocados maybe, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, right? It's like, I didn't even know about avocados when I was a kid. So I think it's appreciating food and the cleanness of it. And just being able to optimize real food to better control blood sugar. So that's definitely something that I do. And I, and I love making recipes, modifying my own recipes. I have a, I have a um, on-site kind of a recipe builder um, that I share with clients too, um, which is a lot of fun, you know, and just putting themselves first is really, really important. It's not selfish to want to devote time and maybe even money, you know, because it, it, diabetes is not a cheap disease. So if there's ways to do that, to really 
find tools to better serve your chronic disease. So yeah, so I, I have some free free recipes. My website is Abundant Health with Melissa. And I do have this, it's probably my most downloaded freebie. It's low carb meals in 30 minutes or less, because I'm all about easy too. And low carb doesn't mean that I don't eat carbs because I love them, but they vegetables are carbs. How about that? So, you know, we, we don't put them in that bucket, but they're a non-starchy carb that can fuel us the same way as say a potato or pasta, but without the detrimental effects to the blood sugar. So yeah, so that is something that they can check out and stay connected with me to learn more. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. Do you have a book recommendation for our listeners? Yes. The author is Adam Brown, Bright Spots and Landmines. And I'm sh- it looks like maybe you've heard of it. That I love that book. We have it. We we've read it through it, you know, but both my husband and I. I love his straight to the point. And he's straight to the point about what he does and what he recommends. A lot of what he recommends, I try to do as well. So, and maybe that's why I love it so much because it kind of resonates with, you know, my habits. But I think that's like a book that should be given to all type ones when they're first diagnosed, sent home with it. Cause I think he, he has a way to kind of simplify it as well. He, he, it's not textbook. It's very, it's very easy to read and follow and uh, to pick up some really good tips. So I recommend so- that. First of all, I binge read Bright Spots and Landmines in about three hours. Loved it. And second of all, we interviewed Adam Brown on the podcast oh, for episode I 55. That. I got to so go, back, go and back and listen to that. To that. We'll put that you. in the show notes as well. Yes. So Adam, if you're listening, we want you back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Like uh, yes. Instagram, social media, anything like that? Yes. Well, I'm on Instagram. I'm at Blood Sugar Boss on Instagram. And I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, I don't do, and I, I do have a Facebook group. I have a private Facebook group. It's called Diabetes is Delicious. So women, it's generally for women. I mean, we do have some men in there. So that's all within their comfort zone if they don't mind. And there's nothing too girly going on. It's just who I serve. And, you know, the conversation can get a little bit more focused on women's needs, but it's called Diabetes is Delicious. So that is a, a Facebook group that women are invited to join. And again, my website is Abundant Health with Melissa. So, All right. You can find the links to all of those in the show notes. Thank you, Melissa, for joining us for the show. Oh, thank you, Colleen. Great to meet you and to see you. Yay. Pleasure. All right, listeners, Mm -hmm. now it is your turn. What lessons can you take from Melissa's 40 years with type 1 diabetes? Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.